Iron Francis, are you going to make it three for three? Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yep. It's going to be it's going to be so I also like when I was a kid, like I played it like I would do like hour hours of just like Star Wars Monopoly with my friend. Um, but the, we always hated each other by the end of those games. Yes. And I think Catan was the first time I was like, oh yeah, this is actually pretty dope. I'm, I'll give an honorary mention to the uh, to the Game of Thrones board game because, like, oh. after I played Catan a bunch and like mm-hmm. I kind of like fell off of it a little bit, one of my friends like asked him on to play this other game and I hadn't really played like a board game in a long time, and I played Game of Thrones and then I was like, oh, there's there's more to this than just like Monopoly and Catan. So yeah, I'll say nice. Catan and Game of Thrones board game. Well, dang. I mean, it's a good thing we're. I think we got you guys today, then, huh? Because I mean, Catan it is. Yeah. yeah. So is it Catan? Is, is it Catan? Or, or is, is it Settlers? I mean, yeah. What is? What is that? Yeah, my group always called it Catan, and then when I moved to a new city and everyone called it Catan, I was like, well, this game blows now. So. <laughs> I don't think it's a real place, so we can call it everyone. Word. Let's call it. Yeah. Um. Ah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Settlers. Settlers. All right. That, um, reminds, that reminds me of um, a lot of people call Agricola Agricola, and then you walk into a board game store and like, hey, can I get a copy of Agricola? And they're like, uh, excuse me, it's actually called Agricola. <laughs> can I get one? Did Latin in high school? <laughs> Agricola. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I want to play Agricola now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that just a town in Star Tropics? There's a deep, deep cut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what that means. No, no I, way I, over I my head. <laughs> it was it was a, it was an RPG in the nineties. All all the towns ended with cola in their name. I think in the movie Mad Max they call water aqua cola, don't they, or something like that? Aqua cola. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I hope not, so. Not in the original too. I I've I've been a while since I've seen Fury Road. I haven't yeah. seen any of them. Y'all can go ahead and. Oh, you should skip the first on one. That. Just go right to the Road Warrior. Oh yeah, um, yeah. 100%. Worthwhile. Uh, one of the best post-apocalyptic films ever made. Like, if you want to know where like many of the genre tropes that you see in modern post-apoc fiction come from, mm-hmm. it's it's Road Warrior. Um, Dang! All right. All the leather, the dogs, the cars, the weird BDSM stuff. <laughs> all, <laughs> all right there in Road Warrior. No, I didn't sign up to be on a BDSM podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We said this was a safe place, but this is just a little too safe. Right, here we go. Hello and welcome, everyone. Uh, to Get In Game Me, a podcast about board games. Uh, I've got plenty of guests for us uh, today. Uh, Caleb, as always, is back yet again. Say hey, Caleb. Hello, hello. Yeah, and we've got two two newbies to the to the fray. We've got Francis and JC. Say hello, guys. What up? Hello. Oh, snap. And we've got a good one for you, folks. Uh, you have already heard their voices. We're talking about uh, settlers of Catan Agricola. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. Uh, real quick, I want to just explain a little bit about the show, because uh, it's only episode three. Uh, you've heard a few, but 
uh, for these new guys here. Um, this is a show about board games. We're just going to talk about a game once a week. Uh, we're going to see if they're still as good as they used to be, if anything has changed in this modern gaming era. Uh, this game's from 1995. We've had some ones from 1930, 1960 on the show already. We're going to do more and more as we go and just sort of see uh, how things have changed, if things are still as good as they used to be, uh, and have a chance to talk about them. Um, and this one, uh, and this is something I'm interested in talking about with you guys. Um, everybody said this was their gateway game. I'm curious, uh, I guess, A, what that means, and B, why do we think this game is that for uh, a lot of people? Maybe even everyone. You mean Catan? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not Agricola. <laughs> yeah, what is it about this game that is so gateway -y? I think I probably think... it's like very sim like the simplicity of it is is maybe like like it's very easy to teach this game, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like it has parts of it that are like a natural step up from like game like Hasbro games you play as a kid. Like, you know, you're rolling two dice and you get shit from it, like in Monopoly. You know right. what I mean? Um, and so, like, those kind of concepts carry over. But then it's, like, it, it does a good job of introducing a bunch more, like, board gamey elements to it without, like, throwing the kitchen sink at you. I think this was uh, kind of the first time people were experiencing um, Euro games over in, like, North America. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it qualifies totally as a Euro game because, you know, we got those rolling dice, which is kind of a sign of like the Ameritrash <laughs> genre of games, which is a bit derogatory. There's a lot of good right, American right. games. <laughs> um, but I think this idea of, um, yeah, working on like collecting resources and an economy and like you're not directly conflicting or, or um, like at each other's throats, even though it can be a pretty mean game. Um, uh, and also this idea of like trade, like you can actually like help out your opponents instead of directly competing with them. I think these are all new elements that I don't think people had really seen in North America. Mm -hmm. That's my understanding, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's just so new and so exciting. Yeah, it makes sense. JC, what were you going to say? I So I actually reached out to some of the guys in my old Catan group from the early 2000s oh, and lovely. asked them, what, what was it that caused us to waste so much time playing this game? Because <laughs> some of almost all of us moved on to much better board games once the hobby kind of blew up. Mm -hmm. But one of, the, one of the guys, he really struck with me because he said it was the first time I played a non-zero-sum game, right? A game without player elimination. And for him, that was really the mind-blowing thing. And I was like, exactly, because, you know, if you get if you get your friends together and you play Monopoly, someone gets knocked out, It's you might be playing for four hours and someone else is just sitting on the couch doing nothing. <laughs> right. So um, it creates an experience that, like, everyone is involved in all the way into the end. And it also introduced king making which is something that like for fans of you know all of us are big fans of root you know mm -hmm. becomes addicting in and of itself so yeah i think i think that player interaction is really big the fact that you can uh trade and make deals um, and have alliances i think that's all pretty exciting fun stuff that i look for in all my board games i think settlers was the first one that really really took that to the next level there's a fair amount of or organic play right you know if you play mm -hmm. at one table who they've been playing together for a while and you play at a different table you're going to find all of these tables have developed their own meta their own style their own language around the game mm -hmm. which is something that doesn't necessarily happen when you play 
you know, we're talking about the, the Hasbro and Milton Bradley style games, which are yeah. very prescriptive, right? They tell you how to play them and you are just kind of following along with the motions. Catan really gives you for the first time for, you know, a US gamer, the opportunity to say, I'm going to decide how I play and we'll see how that happens. And that'll interact with how other people are deciding how to play. I wonder how well, I'm curious what you guys think, like how well this holds up now. So this is made, this game was made in 1995 and we're going to get into some of the history of the game um, as we go. Now's a good time, but we'll, we'll kind of talk about it in like the mechanics of the game and all that stuff uh, a little bit later. But I'm curious, like this game comes out in 95. Um, it wins tons of awards, right? It like climbs the ladder really fast. Um, a lot of people in a lot of places call it the greatest game ever, which uh, we're going to debate, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> in a couple minutes. Um, but like 1995 and like, you know, early 2000s, like we were saying, time period, this game, like I'm wondering now if we were the age we were those years, but 2022, if we would still say Catan can do what it's done for us. Or if we think as a better one that could be considered like the new quote unquote like the gateway game to like heavier modern board games or whatever. If this game came out today, right. no one would notice it. Like, that, that's <laughs> the unfortunate reality. I I think it is... I don't want to say that that's like a really mean... Like no one in the hobby would notice it. I think right. it would still have the same sort of appeal it does. Mm -hmm. But we would not even have this conversation. This would be in the background with... Uh, a bunch of other casual Euro games that we would just kind of go, oh, that's interesting. This game is a trading mechanic. Right. And then move on to something better. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, I'm hoping someone disagrees with me. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's still a great game. I think a lot of people um, actually maybe found it still um, too mean in that, like Monopoly, you're not like you're not going to be out. You can't be eliminated, but you can be functionally out of the game where you see someone just mm -hmm. like popping off, building mm -hmm. cities on turn two, and you know you can't win anymore, even if you roll sevens and put a robber on them. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people gravitated to even nicer games, like more what we call heads down Euro games, where you're kind of just building your own little economy in front of you, kind of um, making everything efficient and right. streamlined. Um, but some people, I think, actually find the player interaction. Um, a little bit mean still personally i actually like that and that's why i love games like root which i know we all love because there is right. kind of a direct player interaction there but a lot of people prefer something like wingspan which is like really player interaction uh light um, right and you kind of feel like you're in it to the end and until you count points you have no idea who's really going to win because you've just been focusing on your own little engine speaking of player interaction i know francis loves uh mean player interaction uh with each other so i'm curious what you think francis <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, from my point of view, like, I'm glad that a lot of people start with Catan. Because yeah. Catan, you can really just screw people over in that game in a way that is, like, you know, pretty aggressive. And so, to me, I like that it's a gateway game more than, say, like, something like Wingspan. Sure. Or, or like, Agricola or something, right? Because it's like, okay, like, yeah, I'm just building an engine, and then that's fun, and, like, or here's another example, like Cascadia. Like okay. Cascadia is like super basic and like, you know, everyone's kind of building their own little like tableau of stuff and they all get their points at the end and then they all kind of smile and nod and like, that's great. But like Catan allows players to interact way more, which I, and, and also allows them to do the Euro stuff. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I like the I like that about it in that if it kind of shows you the two paths and then you can kind of go down whichever one as much as you want kind of deal. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. So if some so like for example, let's say somebody's new to to board gaming as a whole and they play some Catan and then they start to recognize like you're saying, some of the mechanics and some of the things that it sort of uh, suggests or encourages the players to do, then they're more well-equipped to handle something a little bit heavier and a little more, um, like, hobby-centric than they would be if they had just been, like, playing Monopoly and then they were like, hey, I want to play Twilight Imperium now or some other, like, really heavy thing. Is that kind of what you're saying? One thing you have to give it credit for is you, you do learn your lessons quick in Settlers, Mm-hmm. I think maybe one problem I have with it is there's a lot of uh, a lot of the strategy is very front loaded. So you're teaching some of the game. You're like, oh, just put your put your two settlements somewhere on the board, and we'll just start playing, rolling dice. Mm-hmm. But those two starting settlements, are, I think, are probably the most important strategic decision you're going to make in the game. Right. And if they're if they're poor, you're just gonna you're just gonna lose. Like you're not going to roll enough uh, resources. <laughs> Got to so, love the early early decisions. Yeah, you learn you learn your decisions quickly. It's like kind of brutal that way, but maybe that's good, right? You like get get deep right away. It's it's funny you mention that because um, one of the things that one of my main Catan group did was we tried to mitigate the value of some of those decisions. So we we house ruled and tried hacks uh, out the ear, mm-hmm. um, and one of the things we did was playing either with drafting your your early settlements with either the numbers face down or the tiles face down so that you're draft you're putting your cities and open roads down only knowing the resource type not the numbers or you're putting it down only knowing the numbers not knowing the resource types and uh that gave gave it just enough of a wrinkle um to keep it going you know until the next thing nice that sounds yeah i kind of want to play it that way now that you've said that that sounds fun the other thing, and this kind of goes to what Francis was saying, is we, we also played, um, we tried to make it a little bit friendly, or sorry, what Caleb was saying, like mm-hmm. the, uh, we we replaced the, is it a thief, robber, whatever, with... Yeah, uh, that little pawn. We called him the migrant worker. Oh, yeah. And this was oh, supposed boy. to make the game friendlier, where you, <laughs> you put, you roll a seven, and you put it down on a particular tile, and then that tile generates resources that turn as if it had just been rolled. And then on future turns, instead of that tile being blocked, it would produce extra resources. Oh. And we, we thought that that would kind of chill out what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Instead, it turned into a free for all auction with knights, where it's like anytime someone had a knight, they were like, oh my God, like I got I to gotta, like, bid to get this, this little worker moving around the map. Right. Um, and it just became brutal. So. Yeah, I, one thing with house rules is I think they can be great, and if you know the game well enough, they, they can really help uh, a game sing if you mm. know what you want out of the experience. But I, I found when I first started playing Settlers, we didn't know that there was a hand limit, so when you roll a seven, you have to discard down the seven. Oh, uh, what? Oh, right. So I, oh, no. So I, I was just like, I would have like, you know, I'd put it on the chair next to me because I'd have like 20 different resources like just stacked up, like the deck would be empty. And well, that's, that's kind of really that's kind of trading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just hoarding. And that's kind of when I learned the lesson that um, often if a game's not feeling like it's working very well, it's often a missed rule or like a, you're misunderstanding something. Same with Monopoly when you put $500 mm-hmm. in free parking or try to house rule something. Um, it can sometimes make the game worse. And I think the, the robber does, it is mean, but it does have a balancing mechanism because it is um, 
it is slowing down the person in the first place, which makes it a bit more competitive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Um, let's talk into, get into some of the history a little bit of this game. Uh, we already mentioned <clears throat> uh, started in 1995 uh, by Klaus Tuber. Uh, and the way it was originally designed and the way it ended up and shipped and what we see now if you go to a game store and buy Catan is not uh, at all uh, the way it originally started, which, I mean, you know, that's just development process 101. Um, so if you have an old copy, uh, it's probably a relic uh, and save it because the new copies don't look the same uh, as the old, old, old copies do. Um, I looked up uh, some stats on this thing that I want to sh uh, shout at you guys and see which things uh, strike you. So uh, this is the 15th most sold game of all time. Uh, it was pretty crazy. Um, there's been there's been four expansions, uh, so that means it's been successful. You could say, right? Like um, they're not uh, they're they are working on a new one actually, but this isn't like a we talked really? about Monopoly before and we talked about Kerplunk before, and those games aren't getting expansions, right? Like those games are done. Um, but yeah, there's a new one. It's coming out in 22. It said I, I looked at their like the Catan website, and they have all kinds of stuff on there. And one thing was that there's new uh, like a new expansion coming this year. No way. Yeah, that's what the, I mean. Unless unless it's like a video game version of it or something, and they didn't explain it, that's what it looked like. Oh, well, I'll, take, I'll, I'll, I'll double dive check. back in. <laughs> I know. Now you can. <laughs> now you've got a reason to get that that fifth expansion. Which so the fourth one was 2013. So they haven't retouched this game in uh, quite a few years. Yeah, it's been since it kind of exploded, and then it kind of slowed down. It looks like. Oh wow! Yeah, um, it's called Dawn of Humankind. Sorry, what? There's a bunch of expansions I haven't touched, like Barbarians and. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, I haven't. Like, I've only I've played, played base one. game. Yeah, yeah I played Cities and Knights and Seafarers, which I think are both great, and they do add a lot uh, to the game, mm -hmm. um, in a good way, I think. Yeah. Um, also, check this out. So there's been all kinds of spin-off stuff, right? So there's uh, there was a novel. Uh, there's been three card games, uh, a dice game. There's been reskins. Uh, so they have like a Game of Thrones Catan, um, for example, things like that. Um, they have computer and console video games. Uh, there's been a film. And if you live in Frankfurt, there is an escape room. <laughs> that's, <amazing. laughs> that's, so... <laughs> that's the thing I would be least likely to believe. <laughs> no, there yeah. is for real. You have to be <laughs> in Frankfurt, though. It's only there. I was in Frankfurt like two weeks ago. I traveled to Europe, to Holland and Germany. I, I missed out. I would, no. have, I, I would have prioritized my trip around that. Well, I thought there. you were going to say you went to Frankfurt specifically for the con escape room. <laughs> you know, no, no, just visiting <laughs> friends, but that sounds amazing. It's it's not actually a Catan-themed escape room. It's an escape room where you escape when, by winning at Catan. It's yeah, just not, <laughs> there's just a bunch of players, and then the winner leaves, and they add a new person waiting in line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that would take forever. Um, all right, so let's get into the nitty gritty of this game a little bit. Uh, if you want to buy this game today, it's about fifty bucks, um, which I found a little bit surprising to me. Um, and I, I think game developers and game companies sort of ha not haggle, but uh, like really specifically lay out the price of a game that they're making. Uh, and I feel like there's different price points that kind of like yield different expectations from a player. Um, so, like for example, if you buy uh, Oath, which we talked about uh, last week, uh, that game is a hundred and twenty dollar. Uh, price sticker um so you know when you get up over the hundreds you start to expect uh just different things i think from like the game like the components are a certain way um like better like pawns better materials better mats that kind of stuff better cards um versus like if you buy a, a game that's like 15.99 at like target or whatever um so this one is like right kind of in that meaty part of the curve where to me it seems like um like we've talked about like it still has a lot of worth and uh should be taken seriously 
but it isn't like a banking like blowing up your bank account like Bloomhaven or like TI4 or something like that. Um, so potentially worth taking a look at if you're interested in finding something that expands you to a, like a bigger world, as we've mentioned. Um, this thing says one to two hours playtime. I feel like that's not right. What do you guys think? Um, I think one is is you're playing a very quick game. I would say yeah. closer to two, maybe. I've played. I was, three I was thinking like two. I was thinking two to three. Yeah, instead yeah. of one to two. I I think it depends on the group. Um, I've played fast games of Catan. I've played slow games. I think the longest yeah. I ever played with people who knew what they were playing was about three hours. Dang. Okay. Yeah. So it's, yeah. so maybe one to three we could say. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it depends yeah. a lot because there's so much negotiation. It depends a lot on like if you're playing a lot with the same people, I could see that both increasing and decreasing the time, right? Because either it's like you're not going to trade with me, let's move on, or it's right. like yeah, I'm or it's like let me talk to you about twenty minutes as to yeah. why you should actually trade with me. <laughs> yeah, or, or if you make the mistake of playing the five six player expansion. Um, oh then, right, then yeah, the rest of your night is gone. Yeah, that's done. <laughs> Talking about games that don't scale. Um, yeah, so the, yeah, this one to two, it says, yeah, I think it scales uh, pretty poorly in that way. Um, and that might be one of the, the like negatives we uh, attach to it at the end here. Um, it says three to four players around ages 10 and up. Um, I don't know if you could tip, I don't know if, when did you guys first play this? Were you about 10? That feels a little young to me. <laughs> I was probably 21. Yeah, see, I didn't. I was, probably, seems... I was probably in high school, I think. I was probably yeah. like 14, 15, I want to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'd it's say, a little too. 11, you could. I mean. Oh, you could use that a little younger. Yeah, I'd say I was eleven or twelve when I first. Did it? Did the like depth of it come across to you? Do you think, or was it kind of like? I think. Yeah. Simpler? I don't think I was making very strategic decisions. I was just, you know, doing what the dice allowed me to do. Um, but okay. I was able to play it for sure. Oh, nice. Okay. Cool. Did you um, see the first time I played this? Like the first like group I had to play this game with was actually my dad. Yeah. And my little sister, who was like 10. Oh, and nice. we needed to play with three players minimum. Right. And so my dad and I got really into it. And my dad always kicked my ass, right? And I was like, fuck this. I want to like, I want to win. So <laughs> right. I, would keep, I would like want to play. And he was like, oh, my dad was like, sure, like I'm down to play. And then we'd need a third. And we'd both kind of just turn and look at my sister. And she would be like, I hate this. <laughs> we would just like beg her to play with us, and then she would because she's a good, nice person, and okay. we would just destroy her. <laughs> and she oh would, my god! She would be like three hours in. She'd be like, "I have to go to bed. It's like eleven o'clock at night, and I'm ten. And we'd be like, "No, we have to finish." <laughs> no, just trade with me first. Yes. Send me two sheep. She did the uh, the um, the inventive but not necessarily successful strategy of build settlements in an, ex an exact ring around one specific hex and, oh. and surround it with roads. And uh, if she yeah. accomplished that, she felt like she did okay. <laughs> that sounds that sounds interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I like a I like a unique uh, strategy, right? We always joked that if you if you made a ring, then it was like an infinite long road, and like it just, it just you could oh, be amazing. <laughs> Longest road, uh, infinity. Yeah. Is that a how yeah. do we how do we register this? <laughs> uh, man, let's talk about the mechanics of this thing a little bit. You've heard us <clears throat> mention it before, dear listener. Um, there's pretty much two, I think. You guys can maybe correct me on this one. 
I think there's pretty much two main mechanics. Um, you're managing resources. So there's uh, like wool um, and lumber, uh, brick, things like that, or that you can uh, gain uh, as you play the game, right? You roll these die, as we mentioned, and then depending on where your locations are on this hexagonal map that we have, you can gather those resources, right? And what the dice say is what you gather. Um, and then you can use those to uh, turn them back in for things like roads uh, and buildings and uh, like settlements and cities and what have you. Uh, remember, this is called Settlers of Catan, right? So they're, you know, the idea is that it's like an island and you're settling it um, with these other players. Um, so that's kind of the first main one. And then the second one uh, is trading. And this one is the one that, to me, was always um, the most interesting, I think. But also over time, I kind of became, like, at least for me personally, I kind of became more and more um, annoyed, I think, uh, because what I considered to be an interesting or decent or good trade was often seen uh, as like a joke uh, with the people that I played with mostly. Um, so like not a lot of trades really happened. It was kind of like we rolled dice. Uh, and then if you got lucky, you got the resources you needed or whatever. And then you kind of had to just wait until you could get what you needed, which kind of honestly turned me off from the game quicker probably than it should have. Oh, um, Oh. Yeah, That's yeah. Because I mean, if you got somebody, you've got people who aren't willing to trade, and I think this is about the time that the story's about going to happen. That the you, the the ever uh, ever loving story that's coming. Um, but yeah, if you got people who aren't engaging with two one of the two main mechanics, it's kind of hard to, you know, enjoy yourself. I think. Yeah, it's very prescriptive then, right? You're just at the mercy of the dice. I think yeah, there's gray area. I think there's gray area there, but we can talk about that after after JC's confession uh, confessional. <laughs> I mean, you should ask Decoy. He apparently remembers the story better than I do. Um, I, I was going to say, though, I, I think that's one of the things that is interesting about this game, because unlike games where they actually sort of structure the trading and the diplomacy at, into the actual mechanics, they right. kind of just give you a rule, like or say, like, trades have to look kind of like this, right? You mm -hmm. can't do zero-sum trades and things like that. And that's it, right? And you kind of figure the rest out. And so that's liberating, but it can also be for groups who don't know what they're doing, it can just kind of turn you off to the mechanic because there, there's no way to sort of structure that. Right. And, so, mm -hmm. and, it, and when you play with a group who kind of over time learns the value of like, well, you know, wood and brick are really valuable in the early game. So for the first couple of rounds, those really are worth two of any other resource. And then it's like, well, but stone is really valuable in the late game. So in the late game, you know, that's going to become worth your two. And then like, what is it worth in relation to someone who has ports versus someone who doesn't have ports? Right. But I, I would, I would be wildly, turn off if I had a, a whole group of people who are like, ah, eh, let's just see where the dice takes us. We'll go. Yeah, see, exactly. Well, um, what's interesting about that actually is, like, I think it's fair, like, we should probably acknowledge, like, this game has, like, a, a fairly sizable competitive like, scene. Big and, time, like, yeah. Big time. I, there's, been a, there's been a tournament, just to, to, to touch on that point, Francis, there's been tournaments uh, every year since 2000 and let me look at this number, let me find it. Every year since 2002, uh, national and international competitive yeah. Catan tournaments. So it's been going for 20 years now. So we should probably say to on you know, the off chance that any of those people are listening to this, we probably just basically don't know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to us. <laughs> I've watched like a couple of those like like coverage of those tournaments like off and on just as like stuff to watch, 
And it seems very interesting because, like, trading is still done. And, like, mm-hmm. all those players do trade with each other. But there's never, like, a... They, they have this understanding of, like, I'm giving you this and I you're giving me this. Like, not, like, not just in terms of resources, but, like, okay, I'm going to give him this, then he's going to be able to build, a, like, a city. And in exchange, he's giving me this, and I'm going to be able to build, like, two roads and get the longest road. And there's, like, this understanding of, like, like, oftentimes two players will, it seems like two players would trade against the person who's ahead kind of deal to, like, mm-hmm. boost their, both of their positions up. But it does strike me as interesting, like, there's a competitive scene around a game that's essentially just, like, can I trick someone into giving me more than, more than I give them? It's, it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. That, the social aspect of that, I think, and maybe this is just like my own personal like meta coming into the like the table, but oftentimes like in an IRL setting, I'm usually the person who's like teaching a new game or knows the game like better than the other players that I'm with. Um, and so usually therefore, like I'm in a pretty good position um, depending on, and if it's a teach game, you know, like n- not probably not, but if we're playing something that we've all played before, I've played probably played it more. Um, and usually therefore I'm kind of like, in a good position, like chance to win maybe, or like, you know, maybe sometimes run away with it or whatever. So I think I've just kind of got this stigma now to where if I'm like, Oh, let's make this trade. If I was, we were playing Catan, they'd be like, no, F that. Like you're, if you, if I, if you trade with you, then that means you're going to win because you understand this better than me. And I'm kind of like shunned from the, from the fun part of the other thing. Um, yeah. And that's, again, that's probably just me. I don't think that's like everyone's experience, but for like for me like the most fun aspect of it is that and if that's not even possible you know i'm like well maybe i'll just play something else then to where like you know like jc was saying it's sort of built into the mechanics of the game so it's like on this turn you must trade trade whatever you want but you have to trade or you can't keep going or something so that someone has to actually engage with it a little bit yeah and we haven't even really talked about you know, lots of the dealings that go on for things like board position, right? Where it's like, right. I'll, I'll give you, I'll, tr- I'll make this trade, but when you build your town, make sure it's on this tile, not that tile, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there those, is that too, yeah. And, and that's where I think the game really becomes organic and interesting because um, those things that aren't binding in the rules where it's like, well, yeah, I did that because then, then that in- introduces the opportunity for betrayal and you have social capital at your table now and then these are the kind of interesting things where it's like oh this is a guy who goes back on his word or this is a person <laughs> who i can always count on right yeah i like it in my when i played it with as a kid right with my with my dad and my sister my mm-hmm. the, the dynamic that developed was i would always want to trade because i wanted right. to like, do shit and Same, my yeah. dad would never trade unless it explicitly benefited him. Right. And it, it drove me insane. Because I'd be like, <laughs> hey, like, let's trade this. Like, I'll give you two sheep for like a wheat or whatever. And he'd be like, eh, no, I don't really like need sheep right now. And I'd be like, but it's two of them. Like, I'll give you two sheep. Right. And he'd be like, no, I don't really, I don't really need sheep. So, no. So, no. Like, and, I, and won't even, yeah, I won't even engage with that. Well, how about three or whatever? Nope, I, I don't need sheep, so you can give me ten, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, it's that kind of, like, it's that kind of thing, which made him better than me at the game, but, like, made me so upset as a player. Well, 
Well, that that kind of gets to something though, because it, it made him better in the in like in a vacuum, because you're you're functionally playing one on one with a third player in the background, kind of just hoping to build a circle. It sounds like. Right. I, I think this game has a, a real blind spot at any number other than four. Yeah. I I don't think Catan holds up at even at three very well if you're playing a, if you're trying to have a competitive game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that's worth mentioning, right? Because a lot of the games that we're going to talk about on this show and that we're going to explore, um, like, you know, like Wingspan, for example, one we've mentioned, you can play at one, right? And two, and it's good. Like, it's, you know, maybe playing a game with one player is basically like playing solitaire. And like we said, the Euro game style is sometimes kind of a solitaire style. But, I mean, if it's got a good mechanic and feel at one or two or three or four or five, and it kind of always feels good, that's going to give it a pretty strong leg up for me, at least than something where it's like, well, you have to have three friends to play this game. And if you don't, then it's significantly worse or whatever. And then it's like, well, maybe I'll get something a little more versatile, for example, for that $50 price point, like we mentioned. Or and you have yeah. to have exactly three friends. Cause if a fourth one comes over, then, then you, you got five. <laughs> right. It's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in JC cause you have the expansion. Well, yeah. <laughs> I do have the expansion, but I would not pull it out. <laughs> You wouldn't tell them. <laughs> no, it's like, sorry, guys. Sorry, we're going to play Dominion. <laughs> yeah, play I, I don't know what it is about four, but it is kind of a magic number, right? Like, there's, yep. there's a, it's a rare game that's really sings at three. Like, I can think of Dune Imperium's quite good at three. Mm. But sometimes when I have five or six people over, it's like, what are we going to do? Are we going to split into two groups? Or are we going to really just sit through, yeah, a three or four hour slog of settlers or or oath like yeah right yeah, yeah it's you gotta everybody's gotta be into the thing and it's gotta be good at that number and that yeah. can be tough depending on which game you pick yeah i mean one of one of the reasons we one of my core games for years was shadows over camelot mm-hmm. and we sought that out specifically because we we're like what is the best game you know of that era that scales into the six seven player count right because right you know, all these people are interested in board games, they're showing up, and it's like, well, we're either breaking into two groups, or we're just, you know, I think one day we, we literally pulled out Clue, even oh, though we yes. had, like, we had Catan, we had Carcassonne, we had Dominion, but it's like, well, too many people showed up, like, what supports, you know, a bazillion players? And someone's right. like, I got Clue, and it, I think it might have been <laughs> Simpsons Clue, and I was oh like, well, God. this is awful, like, I should have just not come to that. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I guess it was like Smithers and the Observatory or something. So <laughs> that's amazing. Then to be the player who's like, "Well, oh, I brought Clue." Like that's amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, hey, I got Clue if we want it. You know? Yeah, just uh, had it had it hanging out. That's so perfect. Yeah. I mean, hey, it worked out, right? <laughs> Relatively. Oh my god. Relatively. I want to ask you guys another question here. Um, so. Actually, it's, it's kind of like a, a two-part question. So um, this game is interesting. As we mentioned, uh, it brings people sort of into... It's almost like Narnia a little bit in that you can like kind of play Catan and then suddenly you have familiarity with things that board games can do that things like Monopoly don't show you that they can do <clears throat> or like Kerplunk or like Sorry or any of these other um, sort of like simpler games, right? I mean, this is going to lead us sort of to the weight uh, and complexity discussion, as well as um, whether or not we think that like the average person who has fun playing board games, um, but you know, maybe isn't like a, like a, like a capital G gamer um, should seek this out for the opportunity to see what it is. Because as a relatively newcomer to the, to the hobby, if you will, and to the genre, um, like 
you know, it's kind of tough. Um, and we talked about this last week. Sometimes it can be tough to know if you go to like BGG.com, for example, and look at this, the list of games that exist. It, it's an overwhelming experience if you're not like, you know, a regular, for example. Um, anyway, so to kind of lead to our question here, um, this game is uh, rated at 2.31 uh, in terms of weight. So below moderate, right? So we have like one is light, two is like moderately light, three medium, and then it goes up from there. Um, so do we feel comfortable with that as its weight? And based on that number, do we think that this is approachable for the wider population or does it have maybe like too much complexity and it's kind of like, well, you really need to be like X or Y in order to like give it a shot? I would say, um, okay. So again, based on playing with, with my family when I was a kid and then later on with like, you know, college friends, et cetera. I would right. say that, like, when I, when this game first caught me, it was right in the sweet spot. And I was, like, 14, 15, and I was, like, mm -hmm. into it. And it was right at, like, where I felt like my, like, level of, like, strategic thinking was. Where it was, like, I would play shit like Stratego, and I'd be like, okay, this is fine, but, like, I'm just kind of, like, moving shit around, and, like, it doesn't really make any sense. Right. And then this happened, and I was like, oh, shit, okay, actually, I have to think about what's going on here, and, like, that's really cool. My mm -hmm. sister, who was, like, 10, 11... She was like, she. I know, I'm. I'm. I'm playing up to the fact that she wanted to like yeah. bounce, right? Because she was right. having fun. But like, she actually did enjoy most of the games we played, and like, she would okay. get into it, and she would try to trade shit, and she would like go. She wouldn't. She would rarely win, but mm -hmm. she would. She would know the game, and she would play it. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it. I think ten strikes me as like the low range of like who I would want to like show this game to sure um but if if they're tenor up and they like have played like monopoly or like life or any right. or, like, clue just like show them this and see what they do with it i think i still think yeah it's like for that. introduce like sort of like um uh, i can't <laughs> think of an example uh but hey like there's this other thing that exists um swim swim in that pool see how that water feels and then you can get out and do something else or you can go on through and see what amazing stuff also exists. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And also, one more thing I would say is, like, mm -hmm. what, kind of my trajectory with this game is, like, I got super into Catan, and I, so I bought all the expansions for it. So, like, right. I'm looking at my shelf right now, and they're all the way at the top, because I barely ever play them, but I right, have right. all four expansions. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and so, like, and then as I got more into board games, I started realizing that, like, oh, each of these expansions is, like, a, a, a genre of board game like there's like pick up and deliver stuff going on in uh, the traders mm. expansion there's mm. like a little bit of like 4x kind of stuff going on in like seafarers and like explorers then you've got right. like more like straight up euro stuff happening in cities and knights mm. so i think just for all of that those reasons alone it's a it's a better gateway game than most because if someone gets really into Catan, it can snowball into learning like way more game mechanics, and then that then furthers the ability to like pick up like something like Agricola or something like that. Interesting. Um, ah man, we yeah coming in. This is good coming in strong on Catan today, you guys. This is interesting. Yeah, I, w I would say there was a there was a a few years there when I started getting more into board gaming after Settlers that I would kind of poo poo looking at all those poor plebs playing Settlers. I don't think know there's way better. <laughs> There's way better games out there, and you're just at the mercy of the dice. And I, I just kind of thought it was a little bit, 
yeah, like it, it, I thought it was antiquated. It was it was from a different generation. Modern right. boys had it all, but right. seeing uh, uh, like um, Francis was saying, seeing a little bit of, of the competitive scene, and seeing that you know consistently there's some of the same names at the top uh, of these tournaments, mm -hmm. um, did did show me that there is some uh, depth there. And so I actually kind of lean into it a little bit more. Um, during the pandemic, my friends and I would play. Uh, I think it's called colonist.io it's like a it's like a knockoff online version of settlers but it's the same same game i don't know how they manage the, the trademark oh, over the copyright right yeah but um it's like okay there's there's something here uh and yeah i think i think there's nothing nothing wrong with settlers it's a it's a beautiful game i think it's got great design um it, yeah like you said it can help you learn um, the basics of board gaming mechanics and so I, I, honestly i got nothing against the game i think it's a it's a great game Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, it's it's about kind of deciding whether you want to hang in the tide pools or go into the ocean, right? And ah. this is it, for me, I kind of going the opposite way. Not just you know, can I can I introduce this to my kid sister or my little cousins? It's can I bring this home to grandpa or grandma, right? Right, right. Like I, I we taught this to my in laws, who you know their last experience with board games was probably teaching their own kids Monopoly, right? Right, right, and they were able to really kind of go, wow, this is a lot of fun, not engage with any of the real strategic elements behind it at all. But they're just like, wow, you're doing all these interesting things. There's these pieces. Mm -hmm. it, and that complexity is kind of kind of there in a way where it's interesting, but it, it's not um, obscure or obtuse the way it is with other Euros where there's like even something like, uh, oh, what's the other popular one? Like Ticket to Ride, right? With like hidden scoring and things that right. are going to pop up at the end. Right. It's it's all right there in front of you. You play along and you're seeing these things happen as you go. And for some people, that's just, you know, that can be an entrance way to something deeper. And for others, it's just like, wow, okay, like this is just a better version of those things that we used to do with the kids back in the day. Ah. Uh... Man, that's yeah. If it, if it can be that versatile, then that's that's got to be a, like a big check in the plus column or in the pro mm -hmm. column, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also like a lot of like the you know there's a lot of Catan hate. I think in like, yes. you no know, board. I'm a board gamer or anything. Catan is. You're playing Catan, pshaw, right? Yeah, but like okay, so here's the thing. It's exactly um, what Caleb was talking about, where it was just where it's like everyone goes through that that arc, right? They get into, or like, you know, something similar, like they get in really into Catan, they're like, oh my god, I love Catan. And then they find like other games that are like more complicated and like maybe more strategic, less luck, you know, that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. they instantly, instantly put on the like superiority hat where it's like, oh, we're either straight Catan anymore. Like, I've, 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 I've surpassed that. <laughs> it's like, I've as, evolved. As you play more and more, you're like, actually, you know, it's fine. Like and then you and then you get more into the hobby, right? And you've played things like Game of Thrones and stuff, and then you're like, okay, now let me learn more games. And then you play something like Quacks of Quedlinburg, mm -hmm. and that's just luck. And so you're like, oh, okay, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> there's more to like think about here. You know what I mean? So I think totally. Catan suffers a little bit from like that kind of idea where it's like, oh well, you know, it's stylish to like to hate on it a little bit. You know, the most popular artists, the most popular singers, they're always going to have haters. And, and I'll, I'll join in also saying I put on that I ate Catan hat, like <laughs> babies. But, you know, I, I had a, a moment. That I think I only took the hat off this year uh, when I was hanging out with a, another board game group where they mentioned one of their, somebody mentioned like one of their real life friends was like, oh, 
she played Gatan for the first time, and now she's asking like if we have a copy, and they were like, we don't, because it's a terrible game. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, I have a copy of Gatan, like I'll give it to her. Like I don't, I don't care. Right. Um, uh, but everyone should have the right to go through that phase where they're like, wow, this is really fun. Um, this is a blast. Uh, so yeah, no, it's it's wonderful in that regard. Yeah, I, I think board gaming is a is a wonderful hobby, and the last thing we want to do is, is gate people right so let people play what they want i think yeah and i think that like again the gatekeeping thing is like no good but i think what also what like could what other thing we don't want to do in the hobby is like try to make people play stuff with us that they don't want to play right Right. so i think Catan is like a great way to be like if you like this i could show you a bunch more cool shit but if you don't then that's probably fine like you know what i mean like right, if, right. if i show someone katana and they're not nuts about it i'm definitely not going to bring outside right, right. <laughs> no definitely not <laughs> like even though i could be like see it ha- has hexagons see it's the same <laughs> yeah the, the hexagon has turned into such a quintessential board about game to say, like icon, yeah, right like everywhere like board now, game cafes like. name name their cafes after the hexagon it's everywhere yep. yeah you see it in all games Although, to be fair, I'm not sure Catan started, like, war games and stuff, like, yeah, no, you, war games have that's that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's true. They popularized it, for sure, yeah. Yeah. So, question for you guys, because um, this game is, um, in, I, I think, by and large, like, area control, right? Would you agree with that? I think that's one aspect of it. I, I've, I think you can win through diplomacy, and you can win through, you know, savviness. Oh, actually, can I say one more thing, actually, that I thought about? Of course. In the uh, approachability, sorry if this is a, if, like, makes your editing job harsher. I don't know. No, bring it on. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> one thing I was going to say is, like, um, what I think makes this a really good game to show newer people also is, like, it has that level of strategy to, like, go in quasi-deep with, right, for the people who are, like, I'm into strategy. But it right. also has the ability to, like, if you, if you aren't into that and you just want to, like, like kind of quietly build shit in a corner and not try to win that is totally viable in Catan. and and i my sister would do this right if, if she right. wasn't feeling the game she you know she'd build her little circle and then right. she'd be like look what i did and me and my dad would be like yeah but we won and she'd be like well yeah but i built this really cool circle so who's the real winner here so who yeah who really won i mean <laughs> you know what i mean so it has that thing like you could show it to like your grandma and they don't have to like compete to win they can just be like oh well i built this road to this city on a mountain yeah. and that's pretty cool you know and that's or i got like, i got all, i got all the knights and i have the big army that's useless yeah that's cool like yeah, yeah, so exactly. the, competi- so pe- the competitiveness of it does kind of scale with however competitive you feel like you want to be kind of deal yeah Let's do let's do like a little lightning round, and then we'll get into the pros and cons, and we'll rank this puppy. So, all right, um, board gamers big... capable of doing lightning rounds? I'm not sure. Uh, that's we'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, um, it's us. Umberto's not here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Please yeah. edit that part out. No, no, I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna I'm gonna max that volume up. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm calling you out, Umberto. We'll have you on for the Nemesis episode. <laughs> There you go, exactly. The theme song. Umberto's not here. He has a bad rap. He's not the worst turn taker, I think. No, he's not. He's known as it. And usually he's like winning, so it's like, well, yeah. He's earned the long turn. Yeah, he has. All right, so we've got one, 
two, three, four, five things here. And I want you to, I want you guys each to tell me which one you think is more revolutionary. Okay. Um, so everybody said Catan was the sort of uh, gateway game for them. Um, it might necessarily not be the most revolutionary board game uh, that exists, but it definitely, um, as we've talked about, sort of changes uh, what people, that when people approach Catan, they either don't play board games anymore. And then like, that's kind of the most like uh, complicated one maybe that they've played or they end up like swimming in the deep end as JC put it, right? Like they go off into the ocean and they really start to like explore what's out there. Um, And to me, that's uh, pretty revolutionary because it introduces people to a world uh, that a lot of other games just can't do um, as well. Um, Anyway, so I've got uh, Magic the Gathering in terms of its introduction and revolutionizing uh, sort of like unique style card games. Uh, So things like Uno or um, others that like require their own separate deck, but are still a card game. Magic, so Magic Gathering is the one. Losing their minds that you compare your first comparison. I know Magic the Gathering and Uno are the same, right? That's, that's, here, that's here we go. So category, I love it. I know, right? So the sort of unique style of card game is one. We've got D and D for RPGs. We've got Catan for board games. Um, we've got sort of like a universal game that exists. I, I put a standard deck of cards in there because I feel like that has a pretty strong tied to just like games that don't really have like a thing that you can get but if you get a standard deck of cards you can play a ton of different things with the same thing um so that kind of style and then we've got super mario brothers for uh video games so i'm curious what we think is like the most revolutionary in terms of the genre that it's sort of changing or morphing or adapting what are the options again totally so we got magic the gathering for unique card games so magic D&D for RPGs, okay. Catan for board games, uh, a regular deck of cards just for like the ability to have one thing give you tons of different options in terms of a game to play, and then Super Mario Brothers for video games. It's Mario, no question. You think it's Mario? JD, it, why? <laughs> so so I, for me, it's like kind of process of elimination. Like I, And just the fact that coming out of the video game crash of the like the 80s mm. like video games were dead until as an industry until nintendo and mario like brought it back with the nintendo entertainment system especially home yeah home consoles yeah home files, consoles yeah, for were, sure were were done for and that essentially turned it and like retooled it into a new audience where it's like yeah we're gonna market this to children to young boys and it's going to be in their house and they're going to play it right um that i kind of think when when i think about something like dnd it's it's the king of its genre but in the 70s there were all kinds of other games like like traveler gamma world all this other stuff kind of rolling around mm-hmm. one of those would have taken off if if dnd hadn't have you know struck lightning gotcha so. interesting all right so we got one for mario well just by the sheer size of its audience i mean video games is just easily the most popular of those those genres so i think it's gotta be mario oh just because of the volume of the like types of things and players oh, I was and all thinking that with, stuff? within the industry like within its specific industry which is like the most important yeah yeah that's uh, what i was thinking too like which is super mario more important for video games than katana is for board games or vice versa or whatever oh yeah i see yeah almost certainly in that game 
So I was gonna try to like I was gonna try to one up JC by being like, okay, it's actually the standard deck of cards. Yes. Because without standard deck of cards, mo- like most games wouldn't have like it's like the the Ur game, right? Like yeah, so- but, no, but it isn't because the if you look at the evolution of decks of cards and where it comes from, again, that was gonna that was gonna happen whether we arrived at where we were or where we weren't, right? Because people are using card games for for hundreds of years, right? Yeah, but that's but he didn't put any he didn't put that on the list though. Like No 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 but I, I'm but I'm saying like <laughs> I'm saying why that's I'm saying that's why it's not revolutionary because there were other things in the background. That for the same reason I'm saying D D isn't that revolutionary is because something else would have come about if that hadn't. You don't think the same is true for Mario? I, I don't think so. I think that I think that was like a an actual pivotal turning point in in the development of an industry. Ah, okay, I got you. Right, because it the the lands the landscape of what we now define as video game would look totally different if that that team hadn't have made that specific game. That's I'm, that's my take. I'm sticking with standard deck of cards just because of the sheer amount of people that it has affected. I would argue yeah. that more people in the world have had contact with any conceivable card game and have had contact with you know video games in their you know any in any form so like you know people like retirement homes they'd be playing like bridge and stuff and you know like standard deck of cards you can play with basically anybody i i don't know i just feel like it was less demand to a retirement home, Francis. They're all on their iPads playing video games right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for my bridge tournament. What do you think, bro? <laughs> every day. <laughs> Just playing hearts. Uh, and, like, poker. Uh, poker is a huge industry. That oh, doesn't yep. happen with, like, yep. yeah. So, like, and also, like, I don't know if this, this is cheating, but, like, magic, I think, is really, in, really very influential for card games. But I don't think magic happens without like a standard deck of cards either. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with standard deck of cards. For Sticking like to a, his guns, all right. Like a, like a big like picture, it. big picture. I like it. All right, Caleb, you you're gonna break the tie here. Slash, pick a new one. Oh, I'm not gonna take sides. It's getting too heated. I'm gonna lose lose pens over this one. Choose so. this <laughs> on. Most important. We're not playing Monopoly. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'll, I'll abstain. I'll abstain. I'll abstain. All right, fair enough. Um, well, I, I don't. I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I have a choice necessarily. I don't think I would choose Catan though. Um, of those, I think I would be somewhere between probably Magic, the standard deck of cards, and the video game Super Mario Brothers. I think those would be like the three that I would sort of like wrestle with and trying to decide like, do I? Because like, I guess it, it probably depends on I think your history and your background too. If you have like a personal choice versus if you're trying to do like like Francis was saying, like the sort of universal everyone style. So yeah, I I think Catan might be maybe if the word was other was something other than revolutionary. Mm-hmm. I think Catan Catan might be the most important board game ever um, for the if we for like, the the genre for the hob for the hobby of board games. Yeah, because without Catan. Board gaming stays in the realm of the kinds of people who have time to play TI, right? right. Um, what? Which is no one. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of people, right? It's, it's uh, you know, you have, with, with Catan, I, maybe I'm changing my answer to Catan now. Because Ooh. of Catan, the, the, you have a 
an expansion of the hobby that allows the type of development that we have right now because so many people play these board games now as opposed to circa even just like 1990 mm -hmm. that you can have kickstarters you can have a company like leader that has six different games in development that are all beautiful and incredible so so maybe it is Catan, right because without even though it doesn't actually revolutionize board games themselves it creates it creates an industry um, because I, I think one of one of the guys that I played Catan with, you know, when I was younger, he essentially became like a Kickstarter fiend. Like if any game looked good, whatever, mm -hmm. it just his credit card was immediately swiped, and he's like, "Well, I'll see what that is in two years." And, and not only that, but it allowed our our group to go back and look at older games, like mm -hmm. some some of them really old, like uh, oh my god, what it's like like Diplomacy or something like. Catan was a direct line to games like that in the past. And potentially we could also, if we wanted to kind of piggyback on your point, JC, and then we'll rank this puppy. Um, so of those five genres, to me, board games is the most important. One that needs more love and attention than the others. Because uh, like where I live now, if I go to like a friendly neighborhood uh, game store, or whatever the friendly local game store, right? They're playing Magic. Um, and then if I talk to people that I know, or they're, or they're playing Warhammer, right. And if I go to like, uh, I don't know, another one, and I'm like talking to them like, oh yeah, like this game is like this video game. Like, it seems like people are interested in those two. Like I play video games all the time, or if I'm going to sit down and play with people, I'll play Magic the Gathering or like the minis or whatever. Um, and I don't know, like board games need some love sometimes, like maybe Catan is the answer because it gets people to revisit a more important thing that needs more energy and effort and uh, attention to it. Because, I mean, video games now are going to be awesome for like everyone. They're not going to go anywhere. Right. And like people are going to keep playing Magic the Gathering uh, forever, apparently. Right. So. Well, it's, it's yeah, one of those know. things where board, board gaming has so many obstacles to entry. Right. We've, mm -hmm. we've talked about the price point. We've talked about right. needing needing the right number of friends and having to have the right game for the right number of friends. Right. And so having as many easy entry points as possible. And th this is where I've gotten away from Catan as my entry point for when I, you know, have folks over and it's like, Hey, let me show you board games. I show them other things because if they're going to go run out and buy their own thing, I, w I want to make sure they have something that is portable is not you know four hours long it doesn't right. devolve as, and is good at one or two to five or whatever yeah it has a little bit of versatility yeah yep. all right well i think it's time for the the witching hour has arrived so we've got uh three games now that we're going to talk about or i guess we've got two on the list already and we're going to add this one to our third one uh, after our third one i should say um so uh jc and francis so you guys are aware um, at this portion, we are just going to rank them against each other and s just kind of make like a list just for fun. Um, okay. the, there's no set uh, like criteria. It's just sort of like what we're feeling in those moments and what we consider to be uh, more important or not. Um, so right now, uh, we've got number one, Kerplunk, and then number two, Monopoly. We gave Kerplunk the nod last week. Um, <laughs> Wow, big loss yep. for Monopoly, right? There. I know, right? So, um, I'm so do we? I think we should. I think we should start at Monopoly and go up because I have a feeling it's going to pass it. But that's just my hunch. So I'm interested in kind of just like figuring out 
why we think it should go above or below each one, and then we'll have it land somewhere. So we're rating them against each other, or we're rating them out of 10? Uh, against each other. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let's start with Monopoly. Ultimately, do we think Monopoly is better than Kerplunk? Or, excuse me, better than Catan or not? Better or more important? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, that's, and that's, the part, that's part of this that's also interesting. Because, and as Wait, we talked about it... in the Monopoly episode, it has a lot of historical points. Uh, yeah. That are hard to not give its credit to, right? And despite that, Kerplunk still passed it. So, yeah, I'm, I don't know. Well, I mean, we weren't there to vote. Can we vote on that? Because I wouldn't have voted for <laughs> So to give you a what taste, and you'll you just to, play with sticks for an hour. What the hell is this? Kerplunk is like a fifth. It takes like ten minutes to play. You can play with any number of people. It's like quick. It's fun. It's easy. Uh, it doesn't require a lot of like like we both decided, Caleb and I, that we would rather sit down and play Kerplunk than Monopoly if we were going to play today. Oh, if we were going to if we're going to actually play a game, one hundred percent, I'm playing Kerplunk. Yeah, I'm see, playing exactly. Kerplunk over all of these games. All right, I would have been outvoted anyway, so it's fine. So, no, man, but if, right. we're talking, if we're talking which is a better game, which is, you know, more enjoyable, which is more important to the hobby, like, yeah. I feel Monopoly sits at the top of that list. Um, Indeed. For- so the fact that it's not right now, what do you, do we think Catan is more important than Monopoly? We can start with that. Or do we think it's more at fun? Present, or do we yes. think it's more, okay. Well, just to clarify, are we saying enjoyable or are we saying important or are we just think the list is both? I think it's just whatever you, whatever sits with you the most comfortable in this moment as we talk about it. Oh, okay. on a definitive set of rules. <laughs> uh, the rules are you get to make your own rule. Yeah, the rule is you get to sit with it however you want in this moment. That's the All only right. rule. Yep. Well, for me, it's not even hard. Settlers has to be on the top. Those games are they're <laughs> fun to talk about, and they're interesting in their own right, but like in terms of important, fun, Settlers just just ranks above those towers. So you're, you're also giving it a nod above for Plunk, Caleb? Oh, yeah. It's just it's not even a question. Yeah, despite the fact that you maybe would play Kerplunk over... like, So would you play Kerplunk instead of Catan? No, I would if, play Catan, for sure. Yeah, after what we ah, talked about, I kind of want to pull it off the shelf. I think it's a good game. Touche. All right. All right, so that's one vote for Catan at the very top, then. JC, Francis, what do you guys think? I I think I'm putting Catan at the top. Yeah, like, okay. I, I think at, after having just talked about it for two hours, like, yeah. Right. Yeah, there. <laughs> yeah there's some bias there, for sure. <laughs> Recently biased. But... I, I'm also thinking about getting it off the shelf. I was like, you know, they, there's some magic there. Yeah. Dust it off. Um, I'm going to find out that just like dusting off Monopoly, turns out maybe it's not there, but we'll find out. <laughs> I'll let you know. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be as much. <clears throat> so also, for, for me, like like I was saying, if I sat down and played this, I wouldn't be traded with, and I wouldn't... And I, and we're, the reason why I put Kerplunk above, or we put, at least for me, why I put Kerplunk above Monopoly is because I talked about... Uh, and listen, you'll remember this, um, if you've been um, following this along, um, I have a set amount of time to play something, probably, or to do something that engages with people, right? Um, let's say it's two hours in a week, so... You know, if I'm going to sit down and play something and I've got two hours to do it, will I? I want to pick something that respects the time that I'm giving it in that setting. And for me, Monopoly doesn't respect that time, for sure. Um, Kerplunk wouldn't be a two-hour experience, so it could be something that leads us to something additional, um, for example. So it kind of does in it in that way. Catan, I don't 
I'm still on the fence. I have to kind of keep thinking. Maybe I'll hear what Francis has to say before I decide. But, like, if I sat down and played guitar with the people that I used to play with, I would be rolling dice and then forced to play based on what the dice gave me, and no one would trade with me. And, like, I'd just be kind of, you know, the person who's eliminated the Monopoly in the first hour because they landed on Boardwalk, and then they have to wait until the game's over. And to me, that is a big enough flaw in its like design to where I'm not going to enjoy it and I'd rather play something else, which is why I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'm willing to let it climb super high. But that's just, that, again, that's just me, right? Like, this, there's four of us here, so. Francis. Uh, uh, Francis, what do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah. Catan is way better than either of these. It's not even <laughs> Not even, oh. and even if it's not more influential or whatever than Monopoly is, like we should still put it on top of the list aspirationally so that it can be. Because <laughs> if you can play Monopoly, especially the full length Monopoly game, you can play right. Catan too, and you should. And it's it, it is better. Yeah, like if it's if it's Catan versus Monopoly, I'm giving Catan the edge. And also, just because to be of clear, that. just to be clear, my definitive ranking is Catan, Catan, Monopoly, and then whatever this like stacking shit on top of itself. <laughs> this looks like a nothing fucking game to me. <laughs> oh my god! Um, it's like Jenga, but not as not the only game is good when the Wikipedia entry on it is three paragraphs, and that's it. <laughs> I, I also had to look up Kerplunk. As soon as I saw it, I remembered it. Right, right like it was right. something yeah. that you know had, had a copy of it, or like a cousin must have had a copy of it that like got handed down. I was like, oh, I remember this game, mm-hmm. but man. It's just like you might as well be playing Hungry Hungry Hippos at that point, which exactly. uh, let me tell you, I would love to play right now. I was about to say, yep, that's that's going to be coming up, uh, dear listener, <gasps> in uh, future episodes. Hungry Hungry Hippos, you can expect it. Okay, th- there's oh, a God. there's an episode where it's just talking about like the marketing and commercialization of a game, right? Like, I know for real the Kerplunk marketing I was talking about last week. That that is. Uh, if you if you haven't already done so based on last week's episode, go to YouTube and just look up some of the old marketing and ads and stuff for it. It's a hoot. It's <laughs> it's classic a, it, like commercials from the seventies. Oh yeah, yep. Oh yeah, oh, it's it's wild. Well, right. I mean, I don't know if I, I can't go three v one. This is Catan, but three v one means I'll probably lose. So I think I mean. I could see, I can see y'all's arguments as to why it does go at the top of the list. And if I'm being honest, I kind of imagined that it would, which is why these three were a good first three, I think, to choose. Because now we have something we can kind of base future games on to try and like find places that we can kind of put them in as we go kind of do more games and stuff. Um, And I imagine as Catan being as important as it is, uh, as high selling as it is, as gateway, as we said, that it is that it, you know, touches more people in a good way for a board game like future than something like Kerplunk does, which no one's going to probably play. And like Monopoly, which you're going to have. You've really set yourself up with a solid three categories here. You've got a pretty good game, a pretty bad game, and not a game. (laughs) (laughs) And the beauty of it is that not a game is above the game one, right? Yeah, sorry, you weren't weren't there, Francis. Yeah. You about it. (laughs) Next on the podcast, we'll be talking about the board game influence of a pair of sandals. (laughs) Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Getting Gamey is produced by me, 
Mark Overstreet. Music by Pixabay.com. more infuriating when a winner takes a long turn than when a loser takes a long turn. Like if someone just spent like three turns getting beat into the ground and then they're like, I'm going to need a solid 10 minutes. I'm like, you know what? I think take as yeah. long as you need. But if someone's like kicking everyone's ass and they're like, I can't figure out how to optimize this. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> you're, so you're mad at the Crows player figuring out whether he gets to 15 or 18, but then you're going to be upset with the winner for trying to <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly.